Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives, here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you're stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today I'm extremely pleased to be with my friend Basam Khoury, a hotelier and founder of the Be Able Foundation. Welcome, Basam. Hi, well, thank you, Christine. Thank you. Oh, Be Able Society. Sorry, <laughs> I should know. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your story. And I know it's an amazing story. And I know the listeners would be so keen about here how you grew up, where you come from, what happened the day that changed your life. Thank you. So um, it's an interesting story now, actually. <laughs> Before, maybe it wasn't as interesting. I'm originally uh, originally from Syria. I was born and raised in Jordan most of my life. And then I, um, in I think 1999 or 2000, I went to boarding school in Germany. And from there, um, I just went to university. I did my master's in um, hotel, hotel management and my BA in uh, business marketing. And then I moved to Canada, moved to Halifax in 2008. Uh, everything was great. Um, Work was great, life was great. Um, in 2013, I was um, I was leaving work and going back home on November 17th, 2013, to be exact. And that's when um, my life changed. Um, I had a bad car accident taking the exit from the 102 into Lariutic Boulevard. Mm. And um, that changed my life. In a lot of ways, I'm very thankful of the outcome. Very what exactly happens? I mean, many people may know the, the, the corner and many people may not. It's a big intersection, a big exit. What? It is. So I, I was taking the exit uh, the last second just before the exit finishes. Um, I was cut off by, uh, by a car, another car driving. So I had to uh, turn to move away from it. Um, and I drove into a little ditch, uh, which caused the car to flip about seven times. Um, miraculously, I was actually evacuated from the sunroof. It broke, and I was ejected from it, which saved so my life. So did you wear a seatbelt just for...? Uh, from the insurance investigation, it showed that it was on. Um, eventually, from the police report, from the car uh, car report, it wasn't on. Hmm. So I still advise people to wear their seatbelts, but in this case, it saved my life not having it. So, okay. Yeah. So you had to be evacuated through the sunroof? Basically cut out. While while the car was rolling, it was okay. I flipped. I I was evacuated while it was. I rolling. was ejected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, luckily also it was a Sunday and um, the ambulances park uh, very very close at the bottom of Lariutic. So an ambulance was there right away and uh, a trainer from Good Life Fitness or somebody that just had just gotten their CPA or CR CPR license uh, came and tried to give me CPR. And I was taken to the hospital right away. Uh, so for that. did you do you know anything about it or did you completely black out? 
I don't remember anything from the accident or that entire day, actually. Um, I don't remember anything. It was on a Sunday. I woke up on a Thursday. Wow. And a lot of my memory, even the first few weeks from being awake, um, I'm not sure if they were real memories or hallucinations from all the painkillers and everything I was on. So I'm not sure what... Um, what was real, what was not from, from the first so time. So were you the only passenger or the only person in the car? I was, I was, thank God. Uh, yes. What happened to the other car? And the other car left, uh, the other driver just drove away. Drove away? Drove away. There and was, left you there? Uh, just left me there, yeah. Oh. I'm glad other witnesses stopped and uh, tried did, to help. Did, he, did the other driver ever get caught? For leaving the scene? Uh, no, I mean, uh, luckily with the witnesses uh, were able to see the car, get the car information, but um, there was no physical contact between the two cars, so uh, technically she wasn't um, fully liable for what happened. Okay, wow. So what exactly happened to you? So I, uh, I had uh, physical damages from my bones. I had a lot of internal complications also. I broke my neck, my back muscles, my spinal cord, my hips, my pelvis, my chest, my shoulders and uh, fractured my forearms. Uh, uh, question, what didn't, what didn't you break? <laughs> my toes, I didn't break my toes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I broke a lot. And um, at first it was, um, it was challenging for the doctors to operate because I had a lot of internal bleeding, a lot of complications. So once they were able to get that under control, they were So what operate. happened, the broken bones, like the ribs pierced the lungs and probably the internal organs too? Uh, mainly that happened when my pelvis, pelvis broke. Yeah. It, uh, it uh, penetrated some of the organs and uh, caused a lot of damage. So even though my uh, upper body was what got most of the damage, my legs were the most ones that um, received the outcome. I wasn't able to use my legs for a long time. Nobody mm -hmm. think thought I would. And now I still have some nerve uh, challenges with my legs, with my feet. So you broke your <clears throat> your neck, your back in several places? Yeah. Wow. So what do you remember when you woke up? You woke up Thursday, you must have been in excruciating pain. I woke up very scared. I remember um, the nurses tried to calm me down and uh, I wasn't sure why they were doing that, why I was in the hospital. <clears throat> when I heard I was in a car accident, I was ejected from the window. A lot of things actually went through my mind. Was anybody with me? Who was with me? Were any of my dogs with me? What's happening to them? Uh, and then I wasn't sure what day it was. Uh, uh, when things were explained to me a little bit, I was still um, not fully uh, aware. I was under a lot of uh, medication, and uh, I hallucinated a lot. A lot of things which I thought actually happened. Uh, years down the road, I met the same doctors, same nurses, and they told me that none of this actually happened. So I... Um, I'm not too aware, to be honest, of the first first week. I know it was a very scary week, just not knowing if I would survive the accident or not. Uh, was your family close? My family was close. My parents were in town. They were getting ready to leave, uh, go back to Jordan. And uh, that also changed their life in a lot of ways. Uh, they decided to move here, to stay here permanently. Um, and they were by my side every single day and night at the hospital for six months. Wow, you were six months in a hospital? Between the QE2 and the rehab center, yes. Wow, yes. how long were you in the intensive care? Intensive care, I was there for the first, uh, I'd say maybe three weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, after going back up, uh, I was always moved from intermediate care to intensive care. Um, on a daily basis for the first two months, I would be rushed down to the operating room. Uh, my heart rate would suddenly go up to 240, 245. I had a clot in my leg uh, that went up to my lungs and that also caused some other issues. Uh, so uh, from, from November until uh, January 1st, I'd say it was a lot of uh, operations yeah. dealing with internal issues. And uh, you told me before, sometime you really weren't supposed to survive at all. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. supposed to survive it. Uh, once, once I knew that all the internal uh, issues or the main, most dangerous part was 
taking care of, let's say, I still had to face the challenge of, uh, of uh, not using my legs again. Yeah. So uh, They told you you would never walk? They told me I would never walk, never use and my legs. And for those that can't see you, whether it's a radio show or podcast, what's about your age and are you walking? You are obviously alive. I'm walking. I'm walking fine now. Uh, well, not fine, but I'm walking. I can walk. Um, to me, it's a good distance, mm -hmm. but um, I'd say close to 800 meters, then my hips started getting tired. I started finding challenges in my day. And you're still a young man. That's important to know. That probably helped your survival, that you were in good shape before. That helped a lot. I was very active before that. Mm -hmm. I was very healthy, uh, both eating-wise and fitness-wise. So that, that really helped a lot, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your experience in the hospital. My experience in the hospital is great. Uh, people still, till this day, when I go back and visit uh, my nurses um, on 7.3 at the QE2 hospital, they get shocked of how happy I am to be there sometimes. Because as, as bad as everything was, I'm very lucky that it happened here. I'm very lucky that it happened in Halifax in Canada. The treatment was unbelievable. The treatment that the nurses um, gave me was spectacular, like no mm. other really. And they made the worst day into a, a day full of laughter. So now when I go back and I see it, it's not a scary memory. It's a great memory to be around them and uh, be with them. Yeah. And I think we should put... There's a lot of complaints about the healthcare system, but you are a classical case of how it can work and an ideal case, really, in the healthcare system. Somebody that has an accident and that can be saved with conventional medicine and that's the right treatment at the right time, saved your life and saved your... More or less health. That's true. And we can't be grateful enough for those first responders that were there and saved your life because yes. everybody that knows you now know what an amazing person you are. Thank you. And I know your father was at your side, was very inspirational. Yeah, my mother too. Your mother too. And that is a big, big issue. That is. And I think it's important to acknowledge all those people that helped you at a time that you really needed. Of course. And it, it is a wonderful, wonderful story. And we'll hear a little bit more on how it goes on in the second half of the show. Sure, yeah. But as I said, it's a real privilege to know you as, and you're a wonderful person. Thank you. That's, that's very nice to hear. Thank you as well. Thank no, and this brings us to the end of the first half of today's broadcast here on 97.5 CIOE FM. Community Radio, please tune in after the commercial break for more with Bassam Khoury. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Bassam Khoury, founder of the Be Able Society and survivor of a terrible car accident. And he shared the accident story in the immediate aftermath uh, in the intensive care in the first half. Now, Bassam, tell us a little bit, how did it go on? How did you keep your strength up to not give in? Because you said you were six months in the hospitals. 
that's a long time in the life of a young man. It was, it was. And a lot of times, to be honest, I didn't want to... Uh, it was easier to give up. It was very easy not to want to live anymore, and just, and especially knowing that I won't use my legs anymore. Mm. Uh, my father kept, kept uh, pushing me to try to pray, and I kept... My answer was always... Uh, why would I pray? I just turned 30, I just had a great job, and look at what happened to me. So his answer was, uh, pray for strength, pray for the right attitude, uh, that you can deal, go past this. And I did, I tried it, and um, I did, it changed my attitude a lot, people were able to see it, I was able to see it in him, and how calm he was also when just dealing with things. And then once uh, part of it started getting better, um, and my internal issues were better, um, I, had to, um, I had to focus on not using my legs again. And I remember one thing he told me is, um, he said, God won't uh, heal you halfway through and then let you suffer the other half. So just have faith. And wow. working on that, that really gave me a lot of strength um, to have the attitude I need to get past this, which was really great. Uh, and many people that are active in the faith community, whatever faith, uh, can uh, relate to that. Yeah. Because the spiritual aspect is part of us, and it is so important. Thanks for sharing this, it Bassam. Is. It's really important. And that your parents have been a source of strength for you is wonderful. A lot. Not everybody has that, and I'm glad they did. And, yeah. and I'm glad they motivated you, because you might not be here today. They did a lot, especially my mom's cooking. Uh, I didn't try the hospital food one time. Uh, really? <laughs> I was very You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not that bad, but it's not that good either. Yeah. <laughs> For a salt addict, I think uh, it'll be pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> and you definitely needed special nutrition in your recover, uh, recovery phase. Yeah. Now, how did it go on? Because in the beginning, you were told you would never walk again. How, how, how did that happen that it changed? I was very stubborn. I was very stubborn. Um, they kept telling me at the hospital um, I would have to stay at the wheelchair for at least 45 minutes, and then I would be able to be transferred to the rehab center. So that became my goal, is to move from the QE2 to the rehab center. Once I moved there, uh, from the first day, I started with my How long did it take you to move to the rehab center? I moved to the rehab center at the end of February, I believe. So about uh, three months, almost three wow. months, three and a half months. And once I moved to the rehab center, my first physiotherapy session, I kept nagging, can I please try to stand, please try to stand? And they said, you wouldn't be able to. But then my physiotherapist, um, not sure if I should say her name, but a big thank you to her, she knows who she is. She... Uh, put me on a device where it would support my legs and I would just pull myself up with my upper body, mm -hmm. which I was able to. From there, I tried uh, standing on the parallettes or using the parallettes to walk myself. And then slowly, slowly, I kept nagging her to help me walk. So I moved from the wheelchair to a walker, walker to crutches, and then a cane. Um, about three years after that, I started using nothing. And now with five years, I walk independently. Wow. And so it's uh, being stubborn is good sometimes. <laughs> being stubborn can be very good. Yeah. And uh, it's good that you were and that you had the support in it and not just got pushed on and said it will never work exactly. because it did. Exactly. And it's wonderful to know that even if somebody tells you you can, you will never be able to do that, not necessarily to believe it. Exactly. There may be possibilities, and, and I love that aspect of your story, too. Exactly, and that's why we call it Be Able. Be able right, tell us a little bit about how you got the idea of founding the Be Able Society, and I know we'll do another show just about the purpose of it, but what does it have to do with your story? I know your bones have been broken severely, so you would be in chronic pain. What did that mean to you over the years? So when I first started uh, walking again, I thought uh, my problems are over. 
I thought that's it, life is back to normal, I, I can walk. So I went back to work, uh, I went back to work the very next day after leaving the rehab center. And uh, I tried, I moved around for work, I did a few different things in hospitality, that was my main focus career. And um, I was in, in Toronto at the Marriott Hotel in Toronto and suddenly, um, about three years after my accident, I started having a lot of challenges with my back again. Mm. Um, a lot of extreme pain, a lot of um, other internal issues that started coming back and that really affected my, uh, affected my mood, affected my patients uh, with guests, with other employees that I was working with. It affected me personally in a lot of ways because um, even sitting at home trying to relax, I couldn't um, relax my mind, not thinking about work, not thinking about what could possibly happen wrong now. Mm -hmm. And it took me into a very dark place. Eventually, I had to stop work. I had to stop uh, working uh, in my career, and I wasn't sure what else I would do. Mm -hmm. um, so I started thinking, what would other people do? Other people that maybe... Now, before we go there, I want to know, what was the reaction of other people to you not being able to perform your work? Did you get the reaction, oh, it's all in your head? I did a lot. A lot of people would tell me, oh, come on, there's nothing wrong with you. And um, it took some time for people that know, that know me to know what I can and can't do. Yeah. My expectations, um, uh, which is what affected me also, but it's very uh, disappointing when you can't meet people's expectations. Yeah. And at work, I had a lot of expectations of me because I walked normally, I looked normally in front of people. It was hard for them to see or believe that I was going through such a hard time. Yes, and from the outside, when they saw you, they saw a young man that looked healthy yeah. and he couldn't do what he's supposed to do, so maybe they thought you were lazy or... It disappointed a lot of people, even wow. not at work, but with friends, uh, yeah. when I couldn't go out, for example, or socially I couldn't be as active. It disappointed them. Uh, they thought I was making excuses or just avoiding them. So you really experienced the stigma of a disability that cannot be seen. Exactly. Because if you're in a wheelchair, you usually get the respect, oh my God, he can't walk. Yes. But you didn't get that. No, and as, as, as strange as this might sound also, but uh, I'm sure somebody that's fully disabled on a wheelchair, I'm sure their personal life must be full of extreme struggles, maybe more than mine. But um, when it comes to assistances, when it comes to expectations from people, it's a lot more straightforward, it's a lot mm -hmm. more direct. You see it and you can sort of know what, what somebody might need. Yeah, for you, for example, people don't realize that your earning potential went right down and you couldn't maybe afford all the services you would have needed to help your mental health, to help your physical health. It does, and it affects more than that because once you don't have a secured career and you have to think about jumping from one job to another, then how would you, um, then you start thinking, how would you raise a family? How would you have children? How would you do one, two, three? How would you do anything? And that affects you in a lot of different ways. Um, it's, it brings fear to the future. Yeah, so I assume that was the reason you started to think about how you could help other people with similar problems. I did. I mean, uh, like, like we just said, I had a lot of support at the hospital uh, from friends and from family. I had uh, some, some investments in the past. I had something that I can rely on. Yeah. And, and I started thinking, what would somebody in my situation do if they had a child? Or if a couple had, uh, were relying on a double income for a mortgage, mm -hmm. what would they do? Uh, also, on the other hand, is how would people survive without the support that they need? So we'd be able to try to treat people or give them, provide the services that are needed. Plus, we try to be there for them to count on us for support. Um, so you really transformed your own experience with surviving a severe accident, being yourself, living with an invisible disability. 
in helping others that are not as fortunate as you were, that you can afford the services and had the support to get what they need and the system sadly doesn't supply. And many people with that kind of disability are relying on disability pension and that's not much more than social assistance. Not at all. I mean, it's yeah. uh, barely enough to cover rent or right. living expenses. And can be really devastating. And then they don't have the means to afford services that might get them back to health, That's like true. personal trainers. They are not covered. That's true. Many people don't have coverage for psychologists, for chiropractor, acupuncturist, massage. And Most there's a whole host of services that can help to get you back. That are needed, actually, also to get you back. Yeah. And most of those services are not, uh, unfortunately, covered. are not provided. Yeah. But it took... It took uh, a challenging time to to learn and from my struggles i learned a lot mm. which is why I'm, i'm thankful also maybe if this never happened to me i would not be so aware towards what's happening wow so and and, and this is really a wonderful thing to bring us to the end of today's show now the website of be able is b-abled.com uh, b yeah so be-abled a-b-l-e-d.com And you can go there if you feel like donating something, contact us and uh, Basam will be happy to help you that way. Of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> and uh, this brings me to the end of today's show. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Basam. Thank It's you, amazing. You're you. an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Basam, my email here is christine at communityradio.ca or you can contact me through my website, docchristine.com and I'm always grateful for any feedback. And, and you know you know yourself how, uh, how supportive you've been uh, with all the advice you've given me throughout the few, last few months. Thanks. It's, it's really amazing, really. You're an amazing person, Basam. And I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Cecil Wright. Thanks, Cecil. You're the best. <laughs> thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOE FM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.